I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 209. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Before we get started today, I want to mention that if you are listening to this podcast prior to the first weekend in March 2018, I invite my lady listeners and encourage my guy friends to encourage the women in their life to attend the Heart of Worship Women's Conference in Gonzales, Louisiana. I will be the keynote speaker for the conference and relish the thought of meeting many of you face-to-face. You can find out more information by clicking a link to the conference, michellekneezat.com forward slash heart of worship. Now, there are times in our lives when Christian platitudes or quaint Instagram verses don't cut it. There are struggles and pain that we have to wrestle with. And what better place to do that than in prayer to the only one who can really do anything about it anyway. Riley Clemens' song, Broken Prayers, reminds us that we have permission to bring our messy prayers to God. He can handle them. My listener Kelly recommended this song, so let's listen. You're not afraid of all the things I feel. So why am I afraid of being real? where I find tears and scars and fears and messy words? The Psalms. I love that God included in his holy word examples of his people bringing the good, the bad, and the ugly to his throne. Because the lyrics of our song are right, he will meet us there. And this week, I want to take a look at Psalm 44. And in my estimation, it is a perfect example of a broken prayer in God's word. Now, the first eight verses actually are an acknowledgement of God and all he has done. Verses 9 through 22, eh, that's the messy middle. And verses 23 through 26 are the desperate cry, uh, desperate cries of a people that are in that messy middle. Now, the Bible interaction tool exercises I used this week were reading in context, repetition, and making observations. Now, I call these exercises bites because they help me take a bite out of scripture. Also, because bite 
is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, okay? Now, it is my personal opinion that you should never study verses in the Psalms without reading in context, which for the Psalms means just reading the Psalm all the way through. So if you are reading a devotion, for example, that has a verse out of the Psalm, grab your Bible, read the whole Psalm, read it in context. It's very easy to do. Now, the only exception that I might make is uh, maybe Psalm 119. It's super long, (laughs) but come on, we can read through that as well, can't we? You know, but for the most part, most Psalms are uh, so short that it's a good habit just to always read in context, always read the whole psalm. And the reason I want you to read in context is that, yes, we could do an entire podcast on one verse. You've seen it done before, right? You know, wonderful sermons have been preached on one verse, one idea found in one psalm. However, that is not what God's called me to inspire you to do. I'm called to help you discover and meditate on God's word. And I know when you understand the whole, it will mean so much more as you examine the part. So repetition is another bite that will happen naturally as you use the bite of context. So you're going to read it all the way through to get familiar with the whole psalm. Then you might observe something and then you'll want to read it again in context over and over. So have you ever watched a movie multiple times, seen something the second time that you missed the first time? You know what I'm talking about? Or especially a complex storyline that now makes more sense now that you've seen it once or a classic book where each time you read it, you appreciate the characters more and more, or the wonderful descriptions. And This works the same way when you read the Bible. Every time you read this psalm, you will see it more and more clearly. And isn't that really what we want? The next bite is making observations. I think the best way to use this bite is to write down your observations. You could even do it this way. Let's say you read the psalm, make one observation, write it down, read it again, make another observation, and so on and so forth. So you're using, you're reading in context, you're using your repetition, and you're writing down your observations. As I did this on my own this week, I read Psalm 44 in context, which Just means that I read all 26 verses all at once and made the observation that I've already shared with you. It is a song or a prayer from the midst of the messy. Then I read it again and made the next observation that I already shared with you. Uh, The first eight verses are an acknowledgement of God and all he's done. Verses 9 through 22 are a messy middle and verses 23 through 26 are the desperate cry of a people in the messy middle. So I actually think that the order is fairly significant in this psalm. So this is another observation that I'm making. I'm just trying to break it down for you because I just want you to understand this is not rocket science. I want to make God's word as accessible to you as possible. And I want you to think about it in new ways. And so I hope you don't ever think that I'm talking down to you or making fun of how simple it can be because this is literally what I do. I read it. I made some observations. And so I just want to try to unpack that for you so you can see my thought process. Um, but you, again, that the order that I just mentioned, that the first eight verses are an acknowledgement of God, and the next is the messy middle, and then the final is the desperate cry. You, you see, I think that that order is significant because that's not 
how I normally do it. <laughs> and so this this order kind of jumped out at me, the big idea that I need to probably not just fall on my face and in the middle of the messy without acknowledging who God is first. Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> and that just is so selfish that all I can think about is 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 me. And I'm this is my MO. I'm overwhelmed by my circumstances and then I just cry out, God help me. I don't think that's a bad thing. I know he wants to hear me. Um but then I just spend all my time listing out all my woes, how if other people would do things differently, then my life would be better. Then eventually telling God that if he would do things differently, my life would be better. And all of that usually for my sake, to be honest. But that is not how this psalm plays out. This psalm does what I'm trying to develop in myself as my go-to, which is remembering what God has done and declaring that before going to him with my need. So let's read it. Verse one, we have heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. With your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you, we push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God, we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. So the first observation that jumped out at me was that the psalmist is remembering the great acts of God that happened long ago. And did you know we can do that too? We can acknowledge that God, the one we're calling on and crying out to, he's the one who split the Red Sea. He's the one who delivered his people from Egypt with a plan to redeem and restore them. He's the one who made a way for us to be called his children through his own son, Jesus Christ. In the, ver- the first verse of our song this week, if you listen to the lyrics, says, I've been taught how to talk to you. Hold it together. Make the bad look better. Say all the words that I'm supposed to. Bow my head. Say amen. Yeah, that'll do. Making every dead end look like heaven, like being okay is the way to reach you. I think a lot of us are more than a little intimidated about prayer. And while we will see in a little bit that you absolutely don't have to hold it all together to talk to the Father, remembering who he is and what he has done first is a good practice. So when you hear people praying out loud and they're saying things in their prayers like, thank you for sending your son so that we can have access to you, that is just their way of recalling what God has done. This is a good thing to acknowledge what God has done. And I've often said on the podcast, I'm trying to get better at rehearsing God's goodness before I rehearse my sorrows. And this can mean rehearsing truths from God's word in addition to rehearsing how he has personally blessed me and answered my prayers in the past. Both are ways of remembering him and rehearsing his goodness. I do not want to be a what have you done for me lately follower of Christ. 
And then let me add also that I want to tell of the good things of God to my children. It starts out by saying we've heard of you because our ancestors told us, you know. And so I want my children to know these things. I want that my grandchildren and great-grandchildren would say, my ancestors told us of God's goodness. And I want to leave that kind of legacy. Charles Spurgeon writes, when fathers are tongue-tied religiously with their offspring, Need they wonder if their children's hearts remained sin-tied? All right, another observation that I made when reading this section of Scripture is that the psalmist is crediting God with the victories of the nation of Israel. In verse 2, it says, "When With your hand you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. I bet if you ask some of the soldiers that did the fighting all those years ago, if it was by their sword that they won the land, they would say, yes, it was our sword. You know, your success in life, uh, was it God's right hand and his arm or was it your good old fashioned hard work? This is something I think we struggle with specifically in the West because we are a pull yourselves up by the bootstraps kind of people. But acknowledging that God drives out, he's the one who plants and crushes and wins the land and brings victory, acknowledges God's sovereignty. And God's sovereignty means that he is absolute in authority and unrestricted in his supremacy. He gets the credit. And here's the sweetest part. Why? Why did he do all these things? Because he loved them. The the English Standard Version says he delighted in them. The New American Standard Bible says he favored them. This is a beautiful picture of God. Don't miss it. Don't miss when we can learn more about his ways and his character. He loves, he delights in, and favors his chosen people. And remember that one verse that we could spend the whole podcast on? Well, for me, it's verse 6. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. It sums up what I've been, I've just been saying, you know, it's a declaration that is generally not true in my reality. I absolutely tend to put my trust in the resources God has given me to fight the battle. For me, uh, my bow and my sword are my words on this podcast. And even in my day job, I use words to advance the kingdom of God. But this verse stops me in my tracks. I should not put my trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. I put my trust in God, my king. And perhaps he chooses to use my words, but he is the one who brings about victory. I put my trust in him. All right. Feeling encouraged? Feeling connected to this amazing father who loves, delights in, and favors you? Good, because we're getting ready to launch headlong into the messy. Are you ready? Verse 9. But now you've rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. What? (laughs) This is the God in whom we boast all day long? What are the words that jump out at me as I observe this kind of messy, broken prayer? Rejection, humility, retreat, plundered, devoured, scattered, worthless. Tell me that isn't a picture 
perfect example of our song. I mean, it says, you want my tears, every messy word, every scar and every fear. You want all I have with no holding back. When I'm hurt at my worst, you meet me there because you see the beauty in my broken prayers. Verse 13, you've you've made us a reproach to our neighbors, the scorn and derision of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. I live in disgrace all day long and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who is bent on revenge. And it's bad enough when what we suffer is internal. But when we're made a mockery by others, this brings us lower than low. Verse 17, all this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path, but you crushed us and made us a haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness. Now, this is where we have to ask ourselves, if this was our prayer, is this true? Because sometimes there are natural and supernatural consequences to our actions. So sometimes when we lie to our friends and our relationships are broken, it's not because God is doing that to us. It's a natural consequence of our sin. And when we sin, we break relationship. And But when you're walking with the Lord and your feet have not strayed from his path, and yet you are still crushed, this can leave you feeling confused and troubled, to say the least. And you hear it. You hear it in the anguish in this psalm. You can see that this is where the psalm is headed in their logic as well. Verse 20, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? Yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, we get it. If we had disobeyed, then consequences are sure to come. If we denied God and stopped walking with him, he would have called us out on it. The psalmist is implying here that they have not strayed, but stayed under the umbrella of God's protection. And yet they still feel rejected, humbled, plundered, devoured, scattered, and worthless, helpless, like sheep to be slaughtered. I love the Psalms because they include great songs of praise, declaring the greatness of our God. But they also reveal that tenderness of a broken heart. Confused and desperate, the psalmist cries out, Awake, Lord! Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Of course, we know that God does not sleep or slumber. Psalm 121 teaches that uh, to us. That, that doesn't mean that it doesn't feel like he must be sleeping. I like what Spurgeon says, not petulantly, but piteously and inquiringly. We may question the Lord when his dealings are mysterious. Questions of God like these. Why do you sleep? Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our misery and oppression? We know that these questions do not reflect the truth of Scripture. We know he doesn't sleep. We know he doesn't forget. But it feels like it, doesn't it? Spurgeon adds that these questions are far more easily asked than answered. It is hard indeed in the midst of persecution to see the reason why we are left to suffer so severely. Broken prayers. Messy, not cleaned up, but raw and open and desperate. 
Then the final prayer, just simple yet comprehensive, rise up and help us, rescue us. Why? Because we haven't strayed from your ways? No, because of his unfailing love. So we end where we started, acknowledging the love and affection of a God in whom we can trust, even in the midst of our broken prayers. So what's next? Well, I hope you're inspired to bring your own broken prayers to the feet of the Father. Read all of Psalm 44. Read it over and over again. Make your own observations as you allow God to minister to you in the midst of your own brokenness. And rest assured, he wants all we have. No holding back. Don't fail to boast in him all day long and praise his name forever, even in the midst of your broken prayers. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. And before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Cassandra from Alabama, Michael from Mississippi, Mary from Zambia, Jessica from Georgia, Susan from Ontario, Canada, Jane from Arizona, Marquita from Florida, Gladys from New York, Victoria from Georgia, and Amy from somewhere in the U.S. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website, they benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you will get a a weekly memory verse resource. You can display it on your smartphone, your tablet, your desktop. You can print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, don't miss out uh, on an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes, follow me on Spotify, or subscribe in Stitcher Radio for Android users. And while you're in iTunes, would you leave me a written review and a star rating? This encourages me greatly. It does, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Jody, a Kansas girl who writes, Michelle has good tools to help study God's word. Thank you, Michelle. Well, thank you, Jody. I really appreciate the review. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using He Will by Ellie Holcomb to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 209. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.